Let us pray. Holy Ghost, reveal to us now who, who you are and who you are enabling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a few moments of your time, I'd like to speak from the subject, who God calls. Who God calls. The Gospel of John is a summary of the main concerns of Jesus who brings the good news. It doesn't just acknowledge Jesus as a human being, but as a social being, as it, as it proclaims, the word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us. Jesus, the incarnate word of God, flesh and blood, engaged in the plight of common folk, facing ordinary problems, yet yielded extraordinary results. And these activities of Jesus was recorded along with the individual and collective responses to them by those who followed him the closest. Y'all, the Gospel of John is as close to reality TV in the first century as we're going to get. It's filled with lots of drama, tons of misunderstandings, and a lot of straight talk, which didn't, did not always lead to straight understanding because it zooms into the lives of Jesus and the 12 disciples who followed him. This passage, it's filled with much tension for me, though, I must admit, because of its implications that it has on the pastor who has to respond to Jesus' directive that the works that he does, we will do. And then even on top of that, greater works, because he goes to the Father. There is much tension for me because in all the extra-biblical explorations and the, what the scholars are saying, there's not one explanation that helps me understand why this does not seem to be the case for us common folk today, us people who call, we call ourselves Christians. We zoom into Jesus' conversation with his disciples, and at this moment, Philip is on the chopping block. Philip, the one who came from the fishing town of Bethsaida on the shore of Lake of Galilee, when he was the first, he was one of the first to respond to Jesus' call back in Galilee on the lake. And on top of that, he was the one that even brought Nathaniel to Jesus. Philip is even pinpointed in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But now he is slow to respond and understand how Jesus' miraculous work could show that he has a unique relationship with God the Father. There has been seven miracles that Jesus has shown them prior to this conversation. On the seventh day after all the good wine had been served, Jesus created the best wine by turning water, water into wine. Jesus does the miraculous. On the road to Capernaum, more than 20 miles away from a nobleman's home, he heals his son from just an encounter on the road to desperation. Jesus does the miraculous. Then in Bethsaida on the Sabbath day, steps away from a cure. A man who had been ill for 38 years could not get the cure, but Jesus walks by, has a little talk with this man who tells him all about his problems. And Jesus hears his friend to cry and answers with a, get up, take your mat, and walk. Jesus does the miraculous. 
Then some point after Bethsaida, Jesus goes back to Galilee to have a little getaway, to let his hair out, to kick off his shoes and relax his feet at his own sandals vacation of the sort. And he's met with a crowd who is hungry for the word of God. But they stayed so long that they became physically hungry. There was no concession stands. There wasn't a BJ's. There wasn't a Costco or a Sam's Club. But there was a little boy with two fish and five loaves. And from that, he fed 5,000 men, not including the women and children. And you know what? They had the nerve to say that they collected 12 baskets. And I want to use some imagination here. You know when the food is good, you take a little Tupperware with you. So even after people packed their food to go, he still had 12 baskets left. Jesus does the miraculous. So much so that the crowds rode up and they forced him to be their king. Jesus, not wanting it to go to his head, retreated to the mountains in seclusion and told his disciples to go out toward the Sea of Capernaum, which was about five miles from where they were, and he would meet them there soon. So while they're on the water, the winds and the waves, they want to have a little fun with the disciples. And Jesus comes walking on the waters and stills the winds and the waves. Jesus does the miraculous. From that point, there was a man who had been born blind from birth. Jesus, they, they asked him, Jesus, who did sin? Did this man sin or did his parents sin that he's here? And Jesus said, neither has this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And that man was healed. Jesus does the miraculous. Then finally, Jesus' friend dies and had been dead for four days. And again in his conversation with the disciples, he tells them, I'm glad I didn't heal him because if I did, you would not believe and so Jesus goes ahead and deals with the matter of hand and calls Lazarus back to life from the dead. Jesus does the miraculous. Pastor, be encouraged. Even the disciples didn't always get it right. Jesus has done all these things before this time. And Philip has the nerve to show, to ask him, Show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Who God calls? God calls the Phillips of the pew. He calls imperfect you. He doesn't want you to pretend that you're perfect. He wants to call somebody that will try their best to do what is right in the eyes of God. I don't know about y'all, but our pastor... He expects us to know the answer to some things. And he looks really intimidated when we're over next door and we're having sessions. And he's staring at you intently. And he says, I'd rather you get it wrong here than get it wrong out there and lead somebody else astray. Because you will touch more lives than I will from the pulpit. We are told to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. But what exactly does the Phillips of the pews look like? Who does God call? First point, God calls someone to be C-connected. C-connected, follow with me, C-connected. This needed to be in a text, not to embarrass Philip, but to encourage you and I. If this, had, if this text had not been written up, 
we would have spiritualized Jesus' promises to the disciples. For the promises to the disciples aren't just for the disciples, they're for you and I. The same man who witnessed Jesus' miracles firsthand is the same man who Jesus still wanted to do greater works through, along with the other 12. You guys heard it said, God doesn't call you because you're equipped. He equips you because he calls you. And, if, and, and you, know, you know, not only that, but we look at our lives and we get caught up. We get caught up in where we should be, where we think we ought to go. But your pace does not determine your place in God. God's grace does. And sometimes we have to be willing to accept God's grace to be connected to him. Truth be told, everything that we've experienced in our lives up to this point is a testament to God being God. So that we might know that there is a God who sits high and looks low. For no matter what you say, you've, you've survived 100% of everything that you've been through. Because God desires connection. And connection is only found when we're committed to prayer and study. Prayer is when we talk. Study is where God talks. Who does God call? God calls the H, honest. If Philip had never asked Jesus to show him God the Father, he would have never been tasked with the opportunity to do the works that Jesus does as well as even greater works. What am I saying here? If I never vocalize where I am, how can God move me to where he needs me to be? If I was a fish and I spent my whole life trying to climb a tree like a monkey, then surely I would have believed that my living was in vain. But the other day when I was in my feelings, I was slapped back to reality by this ultimate truth. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows them so well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book are written all the days that were ordained for me, even yet when there was not one of them there. If I am not honest with God and myself, I will never be connected to God and myself. Who God calls. God calls the righteous. R. Jesus tells Philip and the disciples plainly that the word he speaks, he doesn't speak on his own. But the Father who dwells in him does his work. Righteousness was not even seen in Jesus' eyes as something that he could accomplish on his own. Everything that was done was done through him by the Father. Our biggest issue is not that we're unable to receive God's righteousness. Our biggest issue is our need to glorify self versus glorifying God. We saw that after Jesus fed the 5,000 and they took their Tupperware home, that they wanted to force him to become king. So he went away to pray and recenter himself. Past the 50 plus years of preaching, I know you couldn't have done it without a little bit of Jack, some Johnny, a cigar, and a few other indulgences so that you can sit back and put things into perspective. 
And that's the part of the reason why we burn out and have people looking at us funny when we do something crazy or act out of character. We don't take time to recharge our batteries. There are so many of us walking around comatosely through life without aim, purpose, and intentionality because we don't stay connected to the source. Our jobs, our money, our things are only resources. They don't give us life or the ability to sustain it. God does. Maybe things haven't gone your way thus far in your life. Because when you pray, you see your obstacles as something that you have to accomplish and not something that God, through you, wants to show the world you can accomplish. Who God calls. God calls the insane impractical. There is a certain level of cockiness or swag that you're able to maintain when you walk in your righteousness. You see, Pastor, he, he stands up here and he always admits his flaws so that all of us might know the grace of God, right? And that's because and even when, when people come here and they stand up and, you know, they're about to join the church and they think everything is going to be great, he said, I may be the one that pissed you off. Because, <laughs> because truth be told, he's flawed just like all of us. But you know what? Righteousness is not something that we can work for, but it's a grace given to us that we either take or leave. Therefore, we can be a part of the impossibilities of life because we maintain the integrity that with God, all things are possible. Jesus states in our pericope that the one who believes in me will do the works that I do. Jesus did some insane things. He turned water into wine, then he walked on water, then he teleported healing 20 miles away without sending a prayer cloth or some prayed over water. He heals a man who was ill for 38 years and a man born blind. And then he even had the nerve to wait four days to bring a man back to life. Jesus did some impractical things. And even his disciples could not recognize what they had in front of them. Pastor, I pray that God is honored by us, us common folk who stop by to recognize the divinity that spews from your body as you work God's creative work. You said at Miss Beryl's funeral that we don't always recognize what we have while we have it. And praise God for what we have while we have it. So today, sir, I thank God for you and the works that you allowed God to perform through you so that I might believe. Mount Pisgah, God calls the S spiritual. Not only will you do the works that Jesus has done, but we are called to even do greater works because he goes to the Father. Jesus said whatever we would do, whatever we would do in acts in his name, he would do it so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. Keeping it spiritual is, not, is realizing the bigger picture, that no man or woman is an island. No one stands alone. The works that we do will be greater because of the quantity. You know that zero plus one is one. That's Jesus, right? So then you have one plus one pastor, that's two, right? So that's greater. Two is greater than one. It's simple math. Then we add another. Then we add another. Then we add another. Because the, quant the quality doesn't change. We can only accomplish the impossibilities of life because of Jesus. 
So we can do greater works because it's the simple math of us multiplying the works and multiplying the works and going out and spreading and exponentially bringing forth the impossibilities of God to the world. Maybe we haven't kept it spiritual because we've taken T-Pain's advice and we're trying to do it all by ourselves. Maybe that's why BCT didn't work as God had planted it in our pastor to work. You'll get that later. Maybe we are not taking Jesus' plea to see us, to see him and the Father as one seriously. Because in our oneness lies our strength. We are commanded to be one so that God might be glorified in the world because our collective mind, heart, soul, strength is the answer to solving the problems that we're faced with. We can have faith in God, but we seem to put no faith in the God and others. But keeping it spiritual is not just about our relationship with God. It includes our relationship with ourselves and God's ability to work in others not in others themselves, who God calls. God calls the T trustworthy. God is not looking for people who can trust him. God is looking for people who he can trust. Let me say that again. God is not looking for people who can trust him. He's looking for people that he can trust. God has given you your trials and tribulations because he trusts you with it. He trusts that you will allow him to work through you to accomplish what you're faced with in life. We have to stop believing that Jesus is a genie in a bottle, we, that we could just rub him the, the right way. This is not the gospel according to Christina Aguilera, but tr- being trustworthy will mean that you will go through some things. But the part that I like is that you will get through it, regardless of what you look like when you get through Do I have any witnesses in the house today that knows that you don't look like what you've been through? But if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you wouldn't know where you'd be. And on top of that, you wouldn't have a story to tell. Pastor, 50 years of preaching looks good on you. You've been through a lot of messy situations, but you got a lot of messages from it. You've been through tests, but you have testimonies. Who does God call? God calls someone to be connected, honest, righteous, insane, impractical, spiritual, trustworthy. If you've been following me this whole time, I was trying to spell something. C-H-R-I-S-T, Christ. Who does God call? God calls the Christ. And who is the Christ? I'm glad you asked. You and me, as we gain, continue to gain more likeness to Jesus from our pastor, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Ray Youngblood. The Christ is a person, is, is a person who is called to an office because he's anointed, sent, and furnished by God to execute God's will. And God's will is to be known and glorified through everything created. That person who holds the office of Christ, is a mediator between God the Father and the world. Romans 8.10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead of sin, because because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. 
Galatians 2.20, if I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 4.19, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Ephesians 3.17.19, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may know the strength, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what the breadth, length, depth, height is to, to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Christ was never to be understood in the New Testament as a proper name, but always having a direct reference to the office and dignity. When you think about R&B, when you think about the king of pop, you think about Michael Jackson, right? When you think about uh, the greatest basketball player at People can say whoever they want, right? It, it, it varies. It will vary, right? When you talk about tennis, it will vary. When you talk about a point guard, it will vary. The, these are offices. When you talk about a pastor, it will vary. Of course, we are all biased to our pastor. When you talk about a, a lawyer, people may think of Johnny Cochran if they're black, right? But if you, if you talk about a, a, a doctor, we may think about Ben Carson up until what he did this year, maybe. So, but what I'm, my point is, is that those are offices. The Christ is an office. But it was used so frequently for Jesus that it came to replace his proper name. Y'all, Jesus was the best that ever did it. He was our goat, the greatest of all time. And his ascension only accelerated the replacement of Jesus with Christ. So to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus who held the office of Christ, which we have been ordained to fill before the, we were woven in our mother's wombs. God has called you to be the Christ, whether it is in your home, on your job, in the streets, at the club, at the bar, in the strip club, and definitely in the church. But if y'all don't believe me, that you're called to be the Christ, maybe you'll hear from my friend, the horse. The horse. There was a farmer who had a horse and a goat. One day the horse became ill, so he called the veterinarian, who said, well, you know, he came over and said, your horse has a viral infection. He must take this medicine for three days. I'll come back on the third day, and if he's not better, we're going to have to put him down. Nearby, the goat listened intently. The next day, they gave the horse the medicine and left. And the goat approached the horse and said, be strong, my friend. Get up or else they're going to put you to sleep. On the second day, they gave the horse the medicine and they left. The goat came back and said, come on, buddy. Get up or else you're going to die. Come on, i help you. Let's go. One, two, and three. On the third day, they came and gave the horse the medicine. And the doctor said, unfortunately, we're going to have to put him to sleep tomorrow. Otherwise, the virus might spread 
to, other, to the other horses. And after that, they left, and the goat said, he approached the horse and said, it's now or never. Get up. Come on. Have courage. Come on. Get up. Get up. That's it. Slowly, slowly, run, run. You're doing it great. You're a champion. Yes, you did it. All of a sudden, the owner came back and saw the horse was running in the field and began shouting, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. My horse is cured. Let's have a grand party and kill the goat. I don't know if there's anyone in the house awake before they die, but Jesus has been our goat. He's the greatest of all time to execute the office of Christ. But he died and sacrificed himself so that stallions like the Reverend Dr. Johnny Ray Youngblood might strut his stuff and be a walking miracle for the world today. Whether it be the hundreds of Nehemiah homes, the multitudes of pastors that he tried to galvanize to bring Brooklyn, bring Christ to Brooklyn, or his intentional ministry to men and African Americans, he has exemplified what it means to be the Christ. He has been salvific to Brooklyn, New York, the United States, and the world. Reverend Dr. Johnny Ray Youngblood sounds nice, but when God sees you, he sees Johnny Ray Youngblood, the Christ. Pastor, the Spirit of the Lord has been upon you because he's anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I don't know if any of us will, be, will answer God's call, but who does God call? He calls someone like you. He calls someone who was sent here to, to shine their light, who would dare to be the Christ and not be afraid to let their light shine bright so that men might see their good works and glorify God the Father in heaven. Let's celebrate our pastor today on this his birthday for the legendary work he has accomplished and is still yet to accomplish. Amen.